Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I had nothing to do. I was sitting in a seat. Well, the early game was terrible. I, the college basketball, I can't, I can't watch it. I just can't watch it. It just seems monotonous. Now, what color did you get for the two pair of pants? Uh, cobalt, dark gray, black. I don't want the two pair of pants, and they won't fit you. Not only that, I was trying a new size. I don't even know if it'll fit. I don't have any idea. It's such a waste of money. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And we have a pants update. The pants were actually delivered yesterday. Signed, sealed. They are delivered to the house Michael has the pants in front of him now. I had the wrong, I had the wrong um, color. It is not cobalt. It's carbon, like a carbon like car- smoke, like carbon steel, like they plant in Sweden, the little baby buds of steel. Oh, so it's and all they natural. Grow up, yeah, it's all natural <laughs> fabrics, and they grow up to be dark gray. Michael, describe the pants and what and what you said. Did you said you would take one? It's a it's a classic looking khaki. My only issue is that we've come to the point. Where you are now buying pants with elastic. I didn't know. I didn't know. So the sizing is secondary. Right. I could have ordered 32s. Yeah. (laughs) I I didn't know they had elastic. I mean, you know, I really did not know they had elastic. What do you think of them? It's a a nice straight leg khaki. I, I. I could wear these and show well, off you, those. You can sh- show off those gold toe socks. Yeah, underneath. you can't wear them because they're it's a thirty length and you're it's a got 30 a secret so. pocket for your phone. These look nice. These are very hip. Oh, get out of here! Very visible stitching. What do I? That's not good, is it? It's uh, <laughs> so. What do I do? What do I want to send them back? I have to. I have to wait. You for can't the, send both of them back. I can You'll be keep pantsless. One, I can keep one. I, you know, um, I've I've spoken of this, and people understand this. That since I'm not really going anywhere, and since the camera shot is the middle of my chest up, I mean, I can wear whatever I want, and I I've been wearing the same three pairs of pants for seven and a half months. There's a gray pair, there's a white pair, and there's a black pair, and I could there. Um, so this got to be this, honest. This color ratty. choice was a very big risk for you. Yeah, they're, the things I've got are ratty at this point. I mean, you know, they get washed every week. They get ironed every week. They're lousy. Oh, these pants will take an iron quite nicely. You think so? Oh, yeah, they'll look good with your crease. You should have become a tailor. You know, <laughs> that should have been. It's in the family business. Yeah, you should have become a tailor. It would have been so good. So I have the pants. Th- what's This is not. I'm waiting for the return slip, though, to send some This back. is not new for you. If people remember, this is. You have a long line of buying a lot of khaki pants. Do you remember the Hagar situation? I love Hagar. You can explain the Hagar situation. No, the, you Hagar, always make fun of me for Hagar. No, I don't. It was just the house brand, and you didn't just buy one pair, not two pair. Three. You bought the entire... Colors. Spectrum. The, the entire the spectrum. The spectrum of, of tan to darker tan to black <laughs> to blue. Yes. That's a lot of gray. tan. Yes. Yes. Well, one thing I did notice when you go to shop online, and I'm not the first one to point this out is that you can click on, there's color, little color wheels, and you can click on the various color wheels, and that will change. Oh, yeah, show you the preview? Yeah, that'll change what it looks like. Um, well, if you so, knew this, then you should have known that before you check out, they show you total quantity I didn't that know. you have requested. Yeah, I didn't. I you didn't. clicked two. I didn't even know when I had checked out. You know, I've checked out a long time ago on a lot of levels, but uh, I didn't even know when I had checked out on this. So, so the pants have arrived. I'm, again, waiting for the packing slip that uh, the young man in uh, the Philippines assured me would show up at some point, and then I could, 
I don't even think I have to put them in this return on en- in this envelope. I can just put them in any old envelope. What oh. is the difference? If I have the slip, what is the difference? I don't really? think there is a difference. I think no. this envelope is designed to just fold over and then you can just drop it off. Yeah. So um, it is for those of you wondering what the weather is like in Washington, D.C. today. It is pouring down rain. It's going to be this way all day long. And I mean, pouring down rain. You, How do you get a tropical storm the last day before December? It's just it's it is. It's just nothing but solid sheets of rain for like 10, 12 hours or something Jessie like that. Jessie's loving this. Well, she didn't you know, didn't love it that much in the morning when we went out because she didn't want to do anything. She's but curled she, up in your chair. Yeah, she's just getting her filth and dirt. Oh, yesterday, listen to this. I don't want to say this too loudly. I don't want to mention her name. But yesterday she was sitting with me and, you know, I looked at her tail and her tail had like seven or eight burrs in it. You know, that you pick up when you run around the yard, those burrs from plants that have in the cold and, and the, the, the change of scene, the leaves maybe turn to burrs or the burrs are just, the, do you know what I'm like talking about? Like berry bushes by the back fence? Yeah. So no, I don't run the fence. So yesterday, Carol, <laughs> while, while I was feeding her dog biscuits, Carol cut much of the hair off her tail to get rid of these burrs and threw it out. Did you get too close to the skin? I don't know. No, no. The dog didn't howl. Nothing happened. But I wonder if dogs know that something is different in their bodies, that their tail is a little bit different. They get groomed, so it doesn't really seem that, that they do. Changing her running pattern? I don't. Well, I'd like to get her to not. Or actually, what the smarter play would be to find the burrs and cut down those plants. That would be smarter. But nobody in this house was smart enough to think of that until just now. And, and we thought of all these other things. Um, so Wilbon will be on the show and uh, Mark Maskey will be on the show today. I wanted to. I don't know how many people watch Meet the Press. Many more people watch Meet the Press, of course, than watch the PTI program. But I watched Meet the Press yesterday. And I watched Chuck Todd interview uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. And it was so depressing to me. It was so... Did, did, Nigel, Sean, did you happen to see this? I, I did not, know. What Sean, was he saying? Did you s- uh, I did not either. Okay, Michael, you didn't Clips. see it. Okay, so I'm one out of four who saw it. It, it was just that... Fauci is now a, a prophet without honor. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. No one is listening anymore. And he has a rather sad visage as he goes through the same things. Who was that? Who was the famous, famous Greek? In, in Greek mythology, there was a woman who saw oh, into Cassandra. the future. Cassandra. Right. And she was not believed. She was That's not right. believed. And she would that say, this is what it's going to be, right? Cassandra. She'd yes. say, this is what it's going to be. And people would say, ha, 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 ha. Start you know, Cassandra. You don't know what you're talking about, Cassandra. Yeah, you know, yeah. really. You know, and who needs a know-it-all, Cass? <laughs> who needs that? <laughs> so, so she was a prophet without honor. And this is what's happened to Anthony Fauci. And Chuck Todd asked him all the right questions. Well, what are we supposed to do? It's depressing. And, you know, the, the, the numbers are terrible and they're climbing. And he goes, you know, we've been telling you to wear the masks. We've been telling you to socially distance. We've been telling you not to have indoor gatherings with your family. We've been telling you this. But you do it and the numbers go up. There was a number that Chuck pointed out. And it was that we have 4% of the world population in the United States of America, 4% of the world population, which seemed low to me, but okay. 
We have 19% of the COVID deaths. We're, I thought we were smart. I thought we had American ingenuity. I thought we had American know-how. Or is that only used to, to acquire advanced auto parts? I mean, is that, is that the only thing we use it for? A Napa know-how? You know, a Napa know-how. Yeah. So then I started to watch commercials. I'm going to get out of this because I don't really want to depress everybody. Like, Well, I do because I'm depressed. There were three <laughs> commercials in particular. Three commercials in particular that I wanted to talk about. One was a Walmart commercial. One was a Harris Teeter commercial, and one was a Coca-Cola commercial. And the theme of all of them was the same, was absolutely the same. The theme was enjoy the holidays with your friends and your family. And in each one of these things, there was food, because if you notice, these are food companies, Walmart and Coca-Cola and Harris Teeter. In each one, there was food and there was drink, and there was a bunch of people around a big table. And in none of these, and everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. Everybody is literally cheek to cheek. And in none of these is anybody wearing a mask. In none of these. So the message to the American consumer is, come on. You know, are you going to listen to this guy? This guy's been out there for seven and a half months selling the same schlock at the same corner. Are you going to listen to him or are you going to watch what we're doing? And sadly, in most of America, they're going to watch what they're doing. And that's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, it was, I don't usually get depressed. This was actually depressing to me. What, you're looking at me like no, something's no, wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. This is, this is totally depressing. And you think about what is the role of, of, of a commercial and sort of the aspirational quality of that. <laughs> it's, which, it's to influence the people of America to do a certain thing, to buy right. a certain product. But I, but I would say this. Even if you are following that Coca-Cola commercial or that Walmart commercial in a smaller, safer way, maybe that is going to to get you to figure out new how would you ways. know how would you know to follow it in a safer way if they don't show you the mask okay well this is this is where it comes down to personal responsibility and you try and look at uh, look at how many people came up with ways to celebrate with their loved ones who might be around the country or different parts of the world for thanksgiving in a way that did not require going to dca and getting on a you know getting on a flight out of atlanta to, to then go across the country and, and the reality is if do you remember the stories from the spring and early summer where if you went to a walmart you were greeted by people purposely going up and down the aisles wearing no mask or purposely wearing a mask with face cutouts in it to try and prove a point because i'm allowed to do this in this country just, and you you sort of take a look at the at all of us who listen to dr fauci we put up the signs in our yard thank you fauci and and we we listen to that advice but we don't necessarily practice patience and then you get all this you get all the feedback from how effective yeah and, and this is so great and anything outside of education until you get the vaccine nothing's better than efficacy the efficacy rate of this or that and you go yeah. everyone's just sitting there looking at their clock going oh okay well moderna might get mid-december that doesn't mean it means it's okay for you to go out right now it's just it's it's remarkable to me um, in uh, in other news uh, related to this, I think I have this right. Is it the governor of Oklahoma? Is it the governor of Oklahoma who told everybody in the state not to have big gatherings with your family and then got on a private jet and went to Mississippi to visit his family? Do I have that right, Nigel? Well, my, that might be essential business. You know, do I have that right? Is that what happened? I know there Is was a the governor... Gov I know there's a governor in, in Colorado that said the same thing and was going to Florida, but I don't know about <laughs> Oklahoma. I will check that. Uh, it seems to let happen me get quite to, with alarming just, frequency. What are you doing? You know, just do as I say, not as I do. Um, so in the, the NFL was great yesterday. The NFL was great. We'll have Wilbon on. Wilbon watched the golf. We'll talk about the golf. Apparently, Wilbon watched the boxing as well. I didn't realize the boxing was on. The NFL had a million close endings yesterday. 
just a million close endings. Mark Maskey will be on, and we will talk a little bit about that. But the but the game, you know, for the Tom Brady haters of the world who were ready to pronounce him dead and gone it's yesterday no after the first quarter, I don't know. I don't know. And Tony Romo was taken up for Tom Brady and saying to Mike Evans, you're the hot route. You got to look back, everyone. I mean, Tony Romo, because he's a quarterback, is critical of receivers, not so much quarterbacks. But Tom Brady, by the end of that game, you know, had they gotten the ball back, had they stopped Mahomes, and nobody stops Mahomes because he's the best. He's the best player in the, in the league. But had they stopped him, Brady would have had a chance to win that game. Who knows what would have happened? But Brady was not dead and gone, nor was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was great at night. Bears were not very good. So there was, I probably wasted everybody's time by talking about these commercials. I should have talked about the NFL, but I didn't. We'll be back. Michael Wilbon will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the FrameBridge yet. Michael, why don't you just talk about using FrameBridge? Because you've done that a number of times. Yes, we have a gallery wall, and we're actually looking at creating a new collection of different sized pictures that celebrate the lives of our boys as we go up. This, as we go up the stairs to our second floor. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Oh, you have you got to put a second floor in? That's great. Hey, th- thanks for mocking our, <laughs> That's our city house. <laughs> Just go to FrameBridge.com, upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. I'm looking at pieces from Framebridge right now, um, golf shots from one from Augusta and one from Rehoboth that Michael got for me. The experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item, deliver your finished piece straight to you or anyone on your list. A handcrafted personalized gift from Framebridge starts at $39 in all shipping. All shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at Framebridge.com when they use the code Tony K. We do have these. We like these very much. Um, this is another thing that I would endorse. I mean, I don't get paid to endorse these things, so I'm endorsing We've gone it. through different phases. The first was we collected meaningful places to us, you know, where we got married, all that. And then we're gonna, we did the boys. And next, we want to say, you can send in artifacts from your life, and they can curate Talismans? You could, we could take Amulets? your flying shirt, and <laughs> they could mount this up into, you know, into a, a frame. Wow. They do that? Wow. Yeah, then you could take the entire piece with you. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com. Use the promo code Tony K to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code Tony K. Framebridge.com, promo code Tony K. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, Bon, when you heard my song, it was early in the desert, but the Singletary Live had got you steaming. I think you might have missed the meaning. It wasn't we weren't buying Singletary, Lord strike me down, but that he wasn't buying it when Buddy Ryan left town. I remember Bernie Epton's slogan, Before it's too late. I was one of those 3,000 fans prompting Lee Elia's tirade. I memorized the name on the Billy Goat's wall for free drinks. George Papa Theodoro D. Metro Kumuduta Georgia Coppolis. So when you besmirch my Chicago bona fides, Will Bond, you make me sob. I still recall the glory days of Sandy Schwab. Wilbon, what do you Cubs, think of that? Cubs, That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. He's a Chicago <laughs> he, guy, obviously, Dan Burner. He, he, 
He must be a Chicago guy. Sandy Schwab. Mm-hmm. Didn't it, isn't that Gary Pomerantz's brother-in-law? Schwab is great. Yes, that's right. He played quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he was your quarterback at Northwestern. Uh, yeah, in the early '80s, maybe. Right after I was out of school, maybe I'm. About, maybe I was there for a year when he was there. But yeah, that's funny. Very funny. Do you f- so you feel good about him now? You feel good about Dan Byrne now? I I, I don't know about good. I just wondered if he. You know, I I, I certainly didn't interpret. <laughs> the Singletary line the way he meant it. So there okay. we have it. All right. Um, tough weekend for Northwestern yeah. and Chicago Bears. Yeah. Tough weekend. Explain to the people, because now I watch, of course, I watch every down of the Northwestern game. They lose at Michigan State, and they lose close. And your position about them as favorites is interesting to me to explain that. Well, I mean, I've had it for I've only had it for forty years. Um, Tony, this the disappointment in Saturday and and Saturday's game, the loss of Michigan State, is the single most crushing football loss of my Northwestern life. Really, the single yeah yeah forty five forty six years I've been following Northwestern football like this. I mean, I covered the team uh, for the Daily Northwestern when I was a student. Um, yeah, it was the single most crushing loss because we had a chance, a chance. It, it, it was an outside chance, maybe. But Tony, we had a chance to to be in the football playoff. And however slight that is, that's a transformational event for us. If we a success level, I mean that that's not a sentence that has been spoken ever. Even even though we were three weeks away, and I told you. You know, it was going to be difficult. And the thing you're referring to is we don't – expectations, we don't have those. We don't have expectations. You know, when when Ohio State and and Michigan traditionally in our conference, when they play big games, and particularly against teams they're favored by, they don't just win them, they crush them. That's the history of the Big Ten. We We don't have that. We don't have a tradition. We've we've we remember we haven't been ranked this high since 1996. Just ranked this high at any point of the season. So this was intoxicating, but it was I knew it was intoxicating. I mean, I just, we don't we don't our men's teams we don't have any history of that kind of success. We have some women's teams that do. The cross, cross yeah, program was won seven national championships in a ten year span. So I, 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 I know my program. You know how much I love my school and my programs, plural. But I told you, when this whole favored and they're, they're jumping up in the rankings, we were, we, were, we were the toast of the town for six days. And the whole time I was stewing. I just didn't want it. It's and like you... Virginia, Tony. Virginia was in that position. I would tell you all the time, Virginia doesn't need to be ranked number one or be a number one seed. I told you that. I paid attention to that school secondarily, although, you know, I covered a lot of Virginia stuff, athletics, you know, for the post when I was young. And then now having married into the Virginia family, I, I know what it's like at Virginia on campus versus North Carolina or Duke in basketball. I, I, know, I know how different it is. They weren't ready when they lost that game as the number one seed. I, I, I went into that thing terrified for them. And so this for us was just, 
you know, <laughs> yeah, I've been texting back and forth with Joey Galloway for, you know, we'll do a little bit anyway, but certainly this season lately. And Galloway told me I was crazy going in originally. He said, come on now, Michigan State is, I said, Joey, one, they have a week off. Two, we don't do well as a favorite. We, expectations are not, we haven't, we haven't conquered that. That, that stuff takes decades. It takes, well, not, if not decades. It takes years and years and years, Tony. To, change, to, to, to feel a certain way about yourself as a school and so and to, athletically. And so we didn't, you know, I just, I was worried. You know, I was worried. You know, this is not a. No, I know. We had that. We I went back and forth on this. You even said yeah. to me after the Michigan State game, you said, we're going to lose to Minnesota. I said, yeah, no, well, you bounced back. Scared, and you yeah. said, no, we're going to uh, lose. Well, I, I, let's, let's hope I'm way wrong. I was in too much despair. And, you know, but. It was just going to be those three games being favored. It was just – and Galloway – I want to start mentioning Galloway because Joey just said – because he thought you know, it was going to be Northwestern Ohio State in the, in the, in the championship game. And it Me too. Yeah. It can be. But, but the, the line that he, he said, it's hard to um, – it's difficult to stay in your week-to-week mindset when you're the biggest story in college football and you're not used to it. And it, it, it wasn't – that's not critical at all. That's just a great observation. And that's what I was getting at uh, going into this thing. So, anyway, just – you know, I, I, I've been in a – I didn't talk – I didn't, I didn't even want to talk to anybody Saturday night. Luckily, I went to see the fight, and I went to hang out and watch that fight with my dear friend Robbie Petty and Charles Wade Barkley. And that got me out of it. But the first thing – I Charles, who watches, you know, Charles watches more college football than anybody. He's not a coach. Charles just put his hand on my shoulder and said, I feel bad for you. I, I, feel, I know how much this would hurt because he, he had a big game, big loss of his own in the Iron Bowl hours earlier. But, yeah, Tony, I, I, I don't even leave the house. I'm still – I'm not going to get over this. This is, a, wow. this, is a, this is a thing I'm not – 10 years from now, this is going to bother me. What about the Bears? That, the, the Bears don't that bother you bother week me. to week. It doesn't bother right. me. That, that, that doesn't bother me because I know they stink. We don't stink. We're, we're, <laughs> right. we're, we're having some of the best. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has brought us the best, you know, era of football in our lives in the 100-plus year history of Northwestern football. The Bears stink. And I told you I had no faith in this coach from the time. While he was 12-4. Right. and four, I told you I did not like his program. I don't like the G, what the GM has done. They both ought to be fired today. They should be canned today. They had a week off before playing our mortal enemy, and they showed up like that. Those two guys should be fired. But that's not how the Bears work. They're not the Rodgers. Rodgers was great. Aaron Rodgers' first two drives was just spectacular. I, did, I, I didn't notice. It could have been, you know, Jackie Gleason playing for the Packers last night. I didn't care. <laughs> they care about that. So when All I right. say I'm not bothered, I'm not bothered. Like there's no emo- Like yes, there's emotion. There's not. I'm not. Wa- I'm not going to walk around mopey because of the Bears. Because we saw this at five and one. We all knew. They were paper champions at five and one. It didn't matter. They weren't any good, and they're not any good. And the coach doesn't get it. He comes out. He starts speaking in small talk, you know, about you know what the office looks like in the linemen. No, dude, you got pantsed on national TV for like the third straight week. 
and you don't get it, you need to go. And the GM needs to go. And they're not going. So enough about this. Right, let me move to the golf because I am one of those few people, I think, that watched so much of the golf with Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley and Peyton Manning and Steph Curry. I watched it to the, to the degree that, you know, you observe things. These are all great athletes, by the way. Great, great athletes. Barkley never won a championship, but, you know, he was on the Olympics. He's on the dream team. He's one of the greatest players of all time. But you see the difference between golfers and other people in other sports. Phil always carries the towel with him, always wipes the club down. Phil's a golfer all the time. I want you to talk about Charles and how proud we all are of Charles for the way he played. But I don't even understand anybody out there who thought they would not win. I don't (laughs) understand it. Because Vegas was stupid about this. And everybody was stupid who thought they weren't going to win because it's about Phil Mickelson. You know, as, as as Charles said right after the first sentence when he walked in the clubhouse, and I was there in Tucson, Stone Canyon, just a just breathtakingly beautiful place uh, here in Arizona, about, I don't know, an hour and a half drive from where I am now. Um, Charles said, you don't ever, ever, ever pick against a professional athlete. It doesn't Not in his own what sport. Steph and yeah. Peyton Manning and I do. This is great. And Charles loved it. We, it you know, we, he loved it. I mean, you know, Charles takes so much grief and good naturedly. He never fires back at anybody for his swing and his golf. It, it's, and he loves it. He loves it. He was practicing four and five hours a day leading up for weeks. Leading, I know because I would talk to the people he was working with. I told you. They said Charles has gotten much better, you know, yeah. and, and look, he, and he had, he put the ball in the damn fairway. So all he has to do is put it on something green, put yeah, it on something green within 300 yards. And Phil Mickelson gonna, is going to get there. Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Yes. Charles knows yes. that. So we, 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 yes. People, who, you know, we come on. And so it was, it was, but Charles has taken so much grief. All of it, all of it with just an incredible nature about it. That when he walked in that clubhouse, everybody in there stood up and hugged him and applauded. And, and it was just, it was a great moment. I know it doesn't equal, you know, getting to the finals to play against Jordan. Of course not. But this is, you know, in your late adult life, Charles says, I'm almost 60 years old. And I finally, I did this. It was great. It was just great. And so the next night that was the night that we, you know, went out and had cigars. That would be other people had cigars and I. You know, did you watched. But I was there. Yeah, you... I, I, I watched and sat around, and it was just, it was tremendous. So, yes, incredibly proud of Charlie. But why did people look? And I know Steph didn't play as well as Steph. I, I, no, I've been on golf did not. with Steph Curry in my life. I know how good Steph Curry is. For people who now want to say, oh, no, Steph's not a one. Yeah, shut up. Steph would be no, your brain out. Day. He is a one. He had a bad day. Yeah. And so, okay, fine. And Steph was gracious, so gracious afterwards. And so it was just, you know, it was a, it, Tony, it was a fun event, a fun thing to go to. You know, I think I told you about some of the people I uh, hung out with. And uh, it was uh, it was just, it was fun. It was fun. Proud of, so, you know, really proud of Charles. We may tee it up in the next day or two. So the, the notion, and, and you just sort of have to reverse this, when people say, oh, you know, Peyton Manning and Steph Curry are going to win because Charles isn't any good. You, you need to reverse this. If this was, for example, a basketball game and somebody said, yeah. Phil's really working on his shot. 
Phil's, <laughs> Phil's, shooting, Phil's shooting from three. Phil's a really good shooter from three. And you said, yes, but he's playing against Steph Curry. Okay, yeah, who right. you it, it's you can't right. it's so stupid and both you and I we seem to be the only people saying you people are stupid you you can't think this way. Of course you know, Phil's you know, going to win. Of course of he course is. He's going to win. He's Phil. How about Phil coaching Charles through he's so great like on putts. He's so great. I want to see you hit it aggressively. I want you to see, hit it right up into here and be aggressive because it's an up. And then Barkley would putt to within one foot. Well, within a foot. Tony, the putting part is the part of Charles's game that never left from when he was a pretty good golfer. When he was a 10 handicap, a much better golfer than he's been lately. Charles has a putting green, a putting complex in his back, in his his house, in his backyard. So nice. Charles, Charles could go out every day and putt, and he has. And so he felt comfortable with that anyway. The, that, that was the most comfortable part of it. And so Phil, Phil would, 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 would do that. It was great. And so I, I said to some, a couple of TV executives, I, I said, when, when does Phil play the Champions Tour, or does he go straight to the booth whenever he wants to? He can and do both. I don't know the exact answer. He's so great to listen to Phil Mickelson, yeah. is it not? No, no, it's it was, it's it was, terrific. I, I was amazed by it, and so Phil, you know, Phil loves all that, and that's his course. You know, that's his. He owns one it. His, his new. He, yeah, yeah. he owns it. You know, so people said, "How did you know how to make that shot?" And he said, "I own the course." I, you know, <laughs> he said that on the air a couple of times. I own the course. Did he say so. on the air? Okay, yeah. Yes. So I how'd, said, "How'd you know to I, hit that I, rock?" I loved, <laughs> uh, every every bit of that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy and proud of Charles. No, it's really you know, those events. Those events have a certain, you know, you can have a twinkle in your eye at that. You know, you don't have to take no, it so I, serious. Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, it was fun. So, so just just to wrap this up, because there was a lot of wonderful NFL games yesterday. Great endings, like five, six, seven. Great endings. Um, it and I said this earlier in the show, and I will ask you about this. For those of us who were ready to write Tom Brady off. I think the second, third, and fourth quarters of that game may have changed that perception. He's not Mahomes. Mahomes is the best player in the world by a big yeah, sum yeah. now. But Tom Brady, Tom Brady looked a little bit like a guy who could still win yesterday, didn't he? In the second and third, fourth quarters? No. Not to you? No. Okay. Not to me. But, Tony, and I'm trying, look, I'm like everybody else. You look at it and you're sort of mystified. And... I, I don't I don't know what to think. And, and look, more more people can agree with you. I just think that when you have had as many sort of stretches of eh, football as Tom Brady's had in the last six weeks, right? The, the two a couple of quarters when a defense backs off you. I mean, Tom Brady now simply cannot play against pressure. It seems to me that that's my observation. Before it was he elected not to, but I'm not going to get hit. And why should he? When he was 38, 40. 41. Now at 43, he, he just he turns and chucks that thing whenever somebody's coming at him and he's in his vision. And I, look, I, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong about this because he's the GOAT. But I was, as you know, I was texting with, I told you this, Roy Green yesterday, the most underrated player in the modern history of professional football. Because he made the pro, he made pro ball at what? Both two positions. Sides of the ball. Both sides. So not just yeah. two positions. Right, receiver and DB. And defense. 
Yeah, I, you, right. know, you know, so so I, Roy Roy is one of one of my dear friends, and through Charles actually originally, and Roy, I, I just texted him and I just said, okay, I know how much you love Brady. Is the, it, do, does he look done to you? And Roy shot back, no, exclamation point. But and there was a but, and the fact that there's even a but, you. You know, and I text a couple other guys that I'm friendly with, former players, and I won't mention them because I'm not as close. And I don't know if they want me to say it, but they they they're hedging, Tony. The fact that they're hedging, what does it tell you? The they're not time, sure. These, it's over. These guys, yeah. these guys love they they love Brady. They love him. Some of them played against him, and so I I, I don't think that what you do in the second and third. I don't care that the Bears scored some points in the third and fourth quarter last night after getting housed early. I mean, you go back to the not knowing what down it was. You go back to the interceptions, the balls that Brady never would have thrown three years ago. Like he's in a slight panic to get back in a game. I, you know, I, 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 I look, I'm not going to take any, I'm, I'm not a fan of Brady as a guy. I don't know him, but he, he's, He's, you know, it's like a privilege in your life if you do what we do to have been around to watch the Tom Brady's, Jordan, Tiger, you know, Magic, you know, I mean, you know, you even go back further. You get, you got to see the, you got to see the, 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 the some of the fat of Jim Brown's life with yeah. a career. When you, when you get to watch these people up close to their whole careers, it's like, do you not feel the same way? Don't you feel some privilege to be I around do. to watch this? I do. Him? I do. They're, I do they're, they so, are among the, they're the greatest of all time. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you, can, you can say that about Nicholas and you say it about, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a certain yeah. number of people, small, small universe, but I'm watching him the last few weeks and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Maybe look, look, maybe Tom Brady comes back and they, he carries them. I don't know that he can carry him. And Tony, this thing with Bruce Arians, people can, people can dismiss it if they want, but you know, Bruce Arians and coach Tom Brady and didn't set up the, the, the notion of he was going to be great without Belichick. Really? Now he's no. having more success than Belichick's team right yeah, now. Yeah, but they're, they're both, but, they're both suffering. They're both suffering. No, there's no question because they were made for each other. All right. I will see yeah. you later. I'll see you later right, on Tom. the screen. Thanks. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back. Mark Maskey will join us and talk about the NFL. When we return, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. I read this ad a lot for Lincoln Financial, and I read it because I think it's well done. And I say this so that if anybody who does copywriting for a living listens to this show, you'll learn how to write. Hey, everyone, this new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest to how to make sourdough bread, which is I often add parenthetically, both Elizabeth and Michael can do and do to how excited we are that football is finally back. And that last one's important. And it carried me through the whole day yesterday because I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport. Actually, in my case, I can if I throw the <laughs> Frisbee and she gets it and she runs around. That's happy. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still have not had, and that is about your financial plans. So do find time to talk to your loved ones about it, because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at LincolnFinancial.com. 
You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Phil Kaminsky. He's a local Maryland musician. He's a fan of the show. He released his first solo album last month after years of being the songwriter, vocalist, and guitarist with the band The Lloyd Dobler Effect. (laughs) This is a song called Always to the Streets. This is... This is nice. Um, You'll be able to hear all the music that we play on the show in its entirety after I'm done talking, and you ought to do that, especially to hear Dan Burns' lyrics and to hear now Phil Kaminsky. This is, well, this is good. That's good. Michael, how do people send their music in? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com, And you're still surprised. I am always surprised at how good the music is. I am. And pleasantly surprised, always. Mark Maskey joins us now. Mark Maskey has covered the NFL for a long time. He was a uh, territorial draft choice out of the University of Virginia by the Washington Post a thousand years ago. He was writing for the Post when he was like 14 years old. And I know because I was there Thank at you, the Tony. time. That makes me 1,014. So, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. so there you go. But Maskey covers the league and has sources in the league and knows what is going on in the league. And this is a long preface to introduce this concept. As I looked at what happened with the Baltimore Ravens and the Denver Broncos, what I saw was sort of situational ethics. It bothered me. I didn't think that the league was being fair or treating each team equally. The Baltimore game with a COVID outbreak was postponed by five days or whatever it was uh, without any penalty to anybody. And Denver, which lost all its quarterbacks, all its quarterbacks, and went to the scrap heap for some guy who played quarterback for three minutes at Wake and then turned into a wide receiver. Denver was had no chance to win that game. No, They had no chance to win that game. They started out snapping the ball to a, you know, to a running back, and then they went to this kid, and, and they had no chance. Whereas Baltimore may not have had any chance at all to beat Pittsburgh if that game was played as originally scheduled, and so they changed it, and so they changed it. And I look at this, Mark, and Wilbon and I talked about this at great length yesterday just in in a phone conversation. You just say to yourself, what is the reasoning of the NFL? Where do they find equity in this? And do you agree that it was not an equitable situation? You know, here's where I'll start with this. And and, and this is going to be a long answer, but... but It's fine. I I, I think where the NFL stands on this is, is... when you use the word, you use the word fair somewhere in there, you use the word equitable somewhere in there. And, yeah. and where the NFL says that it is, none of that matters. None of those apply. This is not about fair and equitable. This, this, this NFL season has nothing to do with fairness from a competitive standpoint. This NFL season is about finding a way to get the season played in a pandemic. Remember the NFL bottom line that we all agree is a business, and this is a business like yep. any other business in America, yep. trying to find a way to operate during the pandemic. So, so the NFL would say to what you said there about, you know, why were these two situations handled differently is because they're fundamentally different. And the NFL says it postpones games, not for competitive reasons, but for medical reasons, for, you know, reasons related to what the medical experts feel about what is going on. In the Baltimore situation, you, you, you have had and may still have a situation where the, the, there is transmission of the virus going on within a team. 
you know, clearly it is being passed from one person to the other within the team. So, so the NFL, you know, it is very sophisticated in the way it goes about this. Everyone knows that they test every day. On top of that, a lot, you know, a lot of people know that on top of that, everybody that is inside an NFL team facility wears a tracking device. So their contact tracing is done in a very sophisticated manner. And on top of that, the NFL does things called, called genomic sequencing, where if you have a positive test or a number of positive tests in there, they can go in there and they can see, well, this guy is positive, that guy is positive. Do they have the same strain of the virus? Therefore, is it being passed you know, within the team? Or is it everyone simply going home and, you know, you go home, I go home, we come back and we have the virus, so we both got it outside. And those are, are two different situations. So when the NFL feels that, that the virus is being passed within the team, there's transmission of the virus within the team that they don't have a handle on yet. They, they, they don't know that they can get it stopped. That's a medical situation. That's a, a situation that you had earlier this season with the Titans that you had now with the Ravens, and that's when games are postponed. The Broncos situation was not that. This was not an outbreak. This was not transmission of the virus within the team. This was a situation where something happened competitively that, 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 that put the Broncos at a, dis- a huge, I mean, to ridiculous proportions. Yeah. You know, I'll start up by saying that this was sort of the scenario where you take everything uh, that the NFL is trying to do and, and, and everything goes wrong and takes it to a ridiculous, purport- ridiculous proportion. But then again, the NFL says games are not postponed for competitive reasons. Therefore, there's no reason to postpone this game. Uh, and you go out and you play with what you have. And we have given you all this roster flexibility, so that's why we don't change the game. Now, also, keep in mind that, that, that the Broncos did a lot of things that you're not supposed to doing to get to the point they got to. The NFL put every team on what it calls its intensive protocols uh, a little while ago. The intensive protocols say you should not hold any meetings in person. You should hold all your meetings remotely. If you do choose to hold your meetings in person, then, then do it outside if you can. If you can't do it inside, do it in a big place, and then that plan must be approved. So the Broncos went all the way through. They didn't hold the meeting remotely. Uh, right. they, they, they didn't hold it outside. They chose to hold it inside. Now, they did have a plan in a, in a big open space where, you, where that was approved, but yet these quarterbacks, they, they met inside. Now, on top of that, they didn't wear masks. There was at least a period right. where they didn't wear masks. That was acknowledged by Drew Locke. That was acknowledged by, by Vic Fangio, who said his disappointment was at the quarterbacks, not at the league. So, so the Broncos did a lot of things you weren't supposed to be doing, on top of the fact that the Broncos didn't have an outbreak. So, I, To me, I think there's the fundamental difference. And, and the Ravens also, if you go back to what, what was happening with this strength coach, they probably also were doing things that you weren't supposed to be doing. But the fundamental difference is, in one case, you had a medical situation, and in the other case, you had a competitive situation. And NFL has made it very clear that in its mind, those are two different sets of circumstances. That's a very good answer. That, I, I'm, that's the first good answer I've had to this because I have looked at it differently. I've looked at it from a competitive standpoint, knowing the Broncos had no chance. So, so this leads to this question. Do you know or do you suspect 
that there is a plan, a contingency, where the NFL could just simply shut down for a week or two completely and come back in a more of a bubble situation because they don't have to they don't they don't have to play the Super Bowl on the day they say they're going to have to play they don't have to they can do whatever they want they're the NFL and everybody is going to watch anyway do do you think there's anything out there like that I mean, I do think there are a lot of contingencies. I, I don't think there's that contingency. And we talk about bubble. I mean, I think there are different variations of a bubble. I, I think there is a, a bubble step that the NFL very well could take. I don't think they'll take it during the regular season. I think they'll take it during the playoffs. I, when you say bubble, I don't think we're talking about sort of the same thing that the NBA did where it brought everybody right. to one place at Disney. I don't even think you're probably not talking about sort of the, the very same thing where, where the NHL did with, with the hub cities where you had everybody in, in a couple of places. I, I think in the NFL's case, sort of the bubble step is, is to sort of go sort of one step further than what they're, do, they're doing now. And, and right now you have what, you know, I'll call it virtual bubbles where, where, you know, 32 teams, 32 different places, they, they, they say, okay, the training facility is a bubble. We have this daily testing. We have these very strict protocols that have gotten more and more and more strict as the season has gone along. And, and, and the approach is, okay, there are going to be cases. People are going to go out. They're going to go home every night. They're going to go out in the world. They're going to come back. Some of them are going to have the virus, but we are testing every day. The job is to, when someone tests positive, get them out of the mix, get them away from everyone else, and sort of try to avoid the transmission of the virus within the team like you saw in the Titans case in September, October, like you saw over the past week or so in the Ravens case. Try to avoid that, and then everybody can you know, go out, and, and, and your bubble comes to my bubble only on game day, and that's where there's interaction. So, so the, the one step beyond that that I think can reasonably be taken, and in fairly short order, is that you sort of close off these 32 bubbles by, by, okay, now instead of everybody going home at night, everybody goes to a hotel. And we sort of make it this team's bubble where you're not going out into the world, where all you're doing is going you know, to, to, to the training facility to practice, to, to do whatever you do. The meetings would probably still be remote to you. We're not going to go there for me, but for your medical, for, for your practice, uh, for sort of the team operations. And then you have this sort of controlled transportation back to a hotel where you're in another controlled environment. So, so that's, you know, that's the, the local bubble, yeah. the home market bubble, 32 at a time. And I do think you, you, there's a very good chance you could see that starting in the playoffs. Now, in terms of, 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 the more traditional bubble where you bring, you know, everybody to a place, everybody's there. That's never. They're been not going to do that. Real, they're not going to do that. It's, it's not practical. They may do that for the Super Bowl, but they're not doing it before I, the Super Bowl. Well, I, I think I think the one time you can see it before the Super Bowl is the two conference championship games. You could see those taken away from the home stadiums and put into, you know, two neutral sites to warm weather places. But it's not going to be before then. You know, in terms of the the, the, the bubble, the the, the, the one-place bubble, the neutral site bubble, I think you could see that for the conference championship games. You're not going to see it before then. You could see it created in Tampa as sort of a Super Bowl bubble. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Mm-hmm. But up until then, I think the, the only thing you would see is the home market bubbles during the playoffs and not before then. I, I just think the NFL believes that, that for the most part, its protocols work if they're followed, that, that the times that the, the 
things haven't worked is because the protocols haven't been followed. And until then, you're most likely going to see things stay as they are unless there's sort of this intermediate step of the home market bubbles. In terms of pausing the season, I don't think it'll happen because that switch that we talked about can happen very quickly. And the NFL's view is, well, why pause the season? You're not talking about things getting better and conditions surrounding these teams and in the country getting better by pushing things back. If anything, they're probably going to get worse. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, It is rare in the NFL. It's not unheard of, but it's sort of rare that coaches are fired, you know, halfway through the season. There's a third guy. They fired Patricia. I don't think it's bad. I didn't think it was bad to fire O'Brien and Quinn and Patricia. But my question is, how long does Adam Gase get? And how long does Anthony Lynn get? How do you call running plays with like 30 seconds left? What are you doing where you have to get two scores? How long do these guys last? You know, not much longer. I mean, certainly in, in Adam Gase's case, I mean, that, that, that has the feeling of inevitability that, 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 that the Matt Patricia situation came to have. And, and, and then yeah. the tipping point yeah. sort of became this two-game stretch and culminating with the Thanksgiving game. So I, I think, you know, in the Jets' case, certainly by a day or two after the season, there's going to be a change made there. Um, you know, is, is there something that happens that sort of forces the Jets in earlier than that to go ahead and do it well? You know, maybe, maybe not. But, but really, what difference does it make? You're, you're playing out a season that's not going anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere, even if you bring in a new coach. So, so yeah, that, that, there's inevitability to that. When it happens, it happens. It's, it's a matter of when. That I've, in Anthony Lynn's case, I mean, look, I mean, that's a team that's, that's so close to being a, a decent team, maybe even a good team, and has a great young quarterback now. You've just seen sort of this string of, of – of games that they, they should have won, could have won, and consistently don't win. I mean, if they had yeah. even won 50% of the games over the last two seasons that they should have won, could have won, then that's anywhere from a, a, a decent to a good team. Clearly, it's not that. So, so yes, there's, there's a level of inevitability in that with Anthony Lynn also. The tipping point could have been those running plays. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny because I feel that like that's so much different. That's so close being a good team you can say okay um the luck is going to even out at some point you can also say look all these close games you know coaching does make a difference a change needs to be made there so so that's one of those where, where you feel bad for anthony lynn um but but yeah if he ends up losing his job because of all these things at some point you can't call it unjustified yeah. thank you mark thank you particularly for explaining the the difference between canceling games or postponing games for competitive advantage and for doing it for medical reasons. Thank you. We'll talk. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Mark Maskey, boys and girls. Seriously, I've known Maskey since he's a child. Um, He went to DeMatha and he went to Virginia and he was so good at Virginia as a sports writer on the paper at Virginia that during the summers, he was a summer intern at the Post. And by the time he was hired full-time at the Post, like the day after he graduated, he was better than three-quarters of the staff and had more clips than I did. Like he had written more (laughs) stories than I did. That was, you know, just being an intern. All right, we'll take a break. We will come back with um, email and jingle. Yes? Am I in the correct order here? I'm Tony Kornheiser. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Harry's ad. What guy in your life are you shopping for this holiday season? You know, you don't want to give him a cliched gift like socks or a wallet or ties. No, 
Guys are hard to shop for. They want something practical and useful. So you can get them Harry's Holiday Shave Set, right? It's a practical gift he'll actually use. Harry's makes sharp blades that last, German-engineered, award-winning razors. They're backed by a 100% quality guarantee. So even if he doesn't love his shave, you'll get a full refund. The blade refills are as low as $2 each. He'll save money over time. Harry's Holiday Shave Sets come in a prepackaged, handsome holiday theme box. Uh, you can even make it personal by engraving the razor handle. Wow, that's pretty nice. And you can feel good about your gift because 1% of each sale is donated to charitable organizations. This holiday season, new customers can get $5 off plus free shipping on any of Harry's limited edition holiday shave sets when you go to harrys.com slash Tony K. The sets come with a weighted handle, three razor cartridges, foaming shave gel, a travel cover, all packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Don't give socks. Delight the guy in your life with Harry's. To claim your $5 off plus the free shipping, go to Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash Tony K. Slash Tony K. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all your folks. Hey, Hot Tony. Pink Hangover. is really good. Read that mail now, baby. So punkish. It so makes good. you blush. <laughs> I love it. Bethesda Bagel ad, Nigel. Don't be surprised. We're coming to you. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love it, and you will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. we got the bagel sandwiches again today. It's always a great day when we get those, but it's always a great day anytime you stop into bagels or Bethesda Bagels. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I've been in this town so long that back in the city, I've been taken for lost and gone and unknown for a long, long time. Fell in love years ago with an innocent girl from the Spanish and Indian home of the heroes and villains. Brian Wilson uh, went crazy with Van Dyke Parks. It's a great song. Thanks to our guests today. Michael Wilbon, Mark Maskey. Thanks to our sponsors today, Lincoln Financial, Framebridge, Harry's Razors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. It's one of those songs where you immediately start hearing the instrumentals when you say those lyrics. It's just a tremendous song. Okay. This comes from Reed Vega. I hope you're doing well and staying safe. Another old man recently contracted the virus, Nick Saban. As a lifelong Alabama fan, this concerned me, not only for his health, but also because this upcoming weekend is the Iron Bowl, so that was just passed. And I am hopeful we will smash those cowardly little maggots, and they did from Auburn, they killed them. But I would feel more confident with the coach on the sidelines. However, I buried the lead. Saban called into his radio show this week to share some of his usual sage wisdom and level-minded thoughts on how the team is doing. At the end, he said what follows below. Quote, I am a payday guy. I love paydays. People don't know this, but I eat a payday every Sunday. <laughs> I've weathered your moaning and groaning of the greatest college coach of all time for the last four years. But here on this day, you have to have the chutzpah to agree that this is the most important matter. And Saban has it right. Enjoy the holidays, Dr. Tony. And we don't have the chutzpah. Reed Vega from Nashville. <laughs> from Sarah All in Pittsburgh. Back in May, you provided the highlight of my 2020, though admittedly wouldn't take much, by reading my email on the air. The email described my parents' experience using an ATM machine for the first time. On Friday's show, you discussed your most recent internet shopping woes. On Wednesday's shows, you identified about not knowing how to use the internet. Once again, I can't help but to listen and self-identify you 
to you and Michael's conversation. Nothing is more of an enigma to my well-educated parents than the internet. Neither owns a smartphone. Only my father has an email address. Their internet shopping curiosity has grown over the years, but their skills not so much. My parents can generally identify online the items they want to purchase, but they're deathly afraid of ordering. They just can't cross the finish line, as I call it. Their credit card information may be stolen. The concept of where to enter promo codes completely eludes them. Timely to your story, this past Monday, I walked them through via phone how to buy something on Amazon. They said it was a Christmas gift for me. I told my dad multiple times on the call where to click to enter his address and credit card information. Unfortunately, I did not think to tell him to enter his own address and not mine. Two days, <laughs> the gift arrived at my house and not theirs. Surprise blown. My mother was forlorn. While my father spent half of Thanksgiving dinner doing a play-by-play, -play, desperately trying to identify what went wrong. Why the hell would you enter her address when it's supposed to be a surprise, my mother griped. So see, Grandpa, it could always be worse. You may have ordered two pair of Eddie Power pants and forgot the promo code, but at least with any luck, they should make it to your house and not Michael's knock on wood, and they did. Thanks for all the laugh. It's very, very good. From Eric Trainer, I could not have been more amused by your description about dealing with customer care over the phone. I am a theater professional, and very early on in the COVID crisis, I saw the writing on the wall. I took a job in customer service to stay afloat with a very, very, very large wireless phone company service. Very large company. Rhymes with Horizon. One of the very first remarks I get from my customers is, I'm so glad I can understand you. I never take this as xenophobic or racist. It simply means that it's more difficult to communicate when we cannot completely understand each other. And you are correct. The person on the other end of the line has very little power to actually solve your problem in many cases. We are trained with lots of techniques to move the process forward, especially if the minimum involves, if the situation rather, involves the big business actually returning the customer his or her money. There are a minimum of three levels of approval required for credits to the account. On the plus side, you most likely will get your two pair of pants, but you won't get the promo code applied. Love the show, Eric. He's right. I'm wrong. From Brian right Helles. I have the pants. The recurring charge is probably not legitimate. Tell American Express that you need to dispute the charges for the domain name one because it's a scam where they've got your card number and they charge a little each time. Dispute the charges and then American Express has to and we'll look into it. I worry that it's more than a bit. If it is not, beware because they have your card number and can charge more. That's good. From Alex Lau in New York City. Halfway through your opening rant on Friday, I thought you were gonna break into a rendition of the famous speech from Network. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a pandemic. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is shrinking to the 20015 and our credit cards are getting charged by made up companies. And all we say is, please, at least leave me alone in my attic. Let me have my multiple pairs of bass shoes and Eddie Bauer pants and my incessant balls of yarn and I won't say anything. Well, I'm not <laughs> gonna leave you alone. I want you to get mad. You've gotta say I'm a one percenter, damn it. My time on Thanksgiving has value, so I want you to get up right now and go to the window with your mask on, open it, and stick your head out, and yell in your best Johnny Most voice, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> From Tony Barrett in Northern, Norristown, Pennsylvania. That's near Philly, isn't it, Norristown? Yeah. The woman related to me by marriage asked me what was going on lately with the Tony Kornheiser show. I said that Michael bought a Peloton and put it in his basement, which sounded an awful lot like my basement. We have two girls, ages six and two, and would have to put any fitness equipment separate from the play area, which consumes the whole of our house. I was thinking about getting a modest treadmill when my wife asked if Michael had good things to say about the Peloton. I said he did. And after a brief discussion, lots of self-justification, and $2,000 later, we'll be the proud <laughs> owner of a Peloton in four to seven weeks. Thanks, Michael. Thanks a lot. 
And one last one. Bootsy now needs to go watch mom when she goes on the bike. Yeah. Um, one is really long, so we're going to just do this one. Wow, this is from Chris Hall. While heating up some microwave popcorn this weekend, I saw a promo for you could win a walk-on role in a Hallmark original movie. It Ooh. made me think of how we could make this the best Christmas ever for a certain Jewish grandmother and friend of the show. If, say, baby boy Bootsy were to appear on one of her favorite programs, the website is snackwatchandwin.com. Maybe have Michael handle this one, seeing as you aren't very proficient at interneting. I throw this over Uncle Benny's table to you and see if we can get a, the child or somebody else a role in a movie. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the shaputzfa to do it. Well, Bon, when you heard my song, it was early in the desert, but the single Terry Live had got you steaming. I think you might have missed the meaning. It wasn't we weren't buying Singletary, Lord strike me down, but that he wasn't buying it when Buddy Ryan left town. I remember Bernie Epton's slogan, before it's too late. I was one of those 3,000 fans prompting Lee Elia's tirade. I memorized the name on the Billy Goat's wall for free drinks. George Papa Theodoro D. Metro Kumuduta Georgia Coppolis. So when you besmirch my Chicago bona fides, Will Bond, you make me sob. I still recall the glory days of Sandy Schwab. Cubs, woo! Cubs, woo! Cubs, woo! Standing through the disbanded 